Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And the man with whom the crowd was being most impatient opens the scoring for the home team. That was the key here, Skirabi winning it in the air. Nicol wasn't balanced as he went with Aguilera and it really was a very fine strike of the ball by Piorin. As you say, Skirabi is dangerous in the air. He's, he's going to win one or two of those in a match. Just gets a touch on and... Well, Marini hits a screamer of a left foot, a superb volley. And uh, I think he'd be a bit less tense after that. But it, Rob Jones, you see, Mark, and he wasn't that far away. But when you strike one as well as that, you've just got to give credit to the forward. Welcome back to Forza Italian Football's My Favourite Game Series. We've been to Bologna, Rome, Reggio Emilia, even as far up as Germany, but we're coming back to Italy this time. We are looking at a European fixture from back in 1992 when English giants Liverpool returned to European football and took on Genoa in the quarterfinals of the UEFA Cup. I'm Connor Clancy, your host, and I am joined by resident granddad Kev Pogzelski. So let's get into this. And he goes to be hugged by his coach. Really did hit that well. And it gave the goalkeeper no chance at all. Somebody's just kissed me on the head because he's so delighted with the goal. And it swerved viciously to curl away beyond any hope that Hooper had. Well, a marvellous strike. Uh, yeah, just the second goal he didn't want to go in. But, I mean, once he's hit it, it's swerving away from Hooper. I wouldn't blame the goalkeeper. It was a long way up, but he's just missed the wall. Swerved away into the top corner. And, as you can see, there's he likes... Kev Pogzelski, you're back. The people will be happy to hear from you. Me... 
less so, but how are you keeping? I'm good. Happy in lockdown. Eight days in. Eight days. Speak to me when you're pushing 20 days and then we can... I'll probably be dead by the time you get to 20 days, though, to be honest. I might have run out of food by then. But I know there is an obvious joke to be made here, right? For people who listen to the podcast, they will be well familiar with the fact that I quite often take swipes at you because you are considerably older than me. But as part of this My Favourite Game series, you have chosen a game from before I was ever born. We're going back to 1992, March 4th and 18th, but more specifically the fourth, I would imagine, for Genoa against Liverpool in the UEFA Cup quarterfinals from that season. So first things first, how old were you when this game was played? I was nearly 11 years old when the, uh, well, yeah, when he, when both legs were played, actually. Okay, yeah, well, I would hope so. I know you have trouble calculating age and time and stuff <laughs> like that, but I'll trust you on this one. And where were you? Uh, I would have been at home. Uh, probably watching with my mum because my dad probably was at the pub. If he wasn't, then he probably was there with us. Okay, so that's for the first leg. And for the second leg? Uh, Anfield. Ah, okay. That that must have been quite an experience. Uh, young wee Kev going up to Anfield. Yeah, I think a lot of those trips you don't remember. Um, for, some, for, some, for whatever reason, uh, I, I tend to certainly remember this game um, more vividly. Whether it was because it was the the first the first leg, but yeah, I, I it was probably a bit later in the nineties before I really sort of started remembering games of football, apart from the odd uh, the odd trip every now and again, the odd goal, maybe uh, John Barnes uh, etc. running down the the wing. It's kind of interesting that you've gone with this game, given when it was you were eleven years old, and I, I can't remember who it was. It might have been with with Dan in the first of this series where we spoke about. World Cup memories and primitive football memories tend to be from around the time when you're 10 years old. Like the, your first World Cup that you remember is the one closest to your 10th birthday usually. And you've kind of continued with that theme. So why have you chosen this game? And well, um, being the age that I was around uh, sort of 10, well, 9, 10, um, you had uh, the Italian 90, which was probably the first the first World Cup that I vividly remember, and maybe that is a, a little bit of because of um, England's run to the, the the World Cup semi-final, but also it was it was held in Italy, so there was there was something about the stadiums uh, during that tournament. Obviously, the the theme tune from Pavarotti, and it, it kind of piqued my interest. Although I was I was quite keen on my football anyway from from quite an early age because I think I was the firstborn son. I got taken to more of the matches as. Um, my mum and dad had two further boys. It kind of you got you got split into which one was going where at some point. So I think I was just full on the football. And then, although uh, Liverpool had returned to European competition um, for the first time in six years and already played uh, three rounds, I think because it was an Italian side um, post that World Cup, I took a sort of a real keen interest in it. And it was arguably. Uh, Liverpool's first real test, although being Genoa's first season in Europe, they were kind of expected to almost brush them aside. They'd they'd won the last uh, the last round six six nil on aggregate against um, Tyrol of Austria. So you spoke about this kind of following on from Italia ninety. Did that 
play into the fact that you, you took a particular interest in this game with it being an Italian team and having fallen a little bit more in love with football in the last World Cup? Oh, absolutely. Definitely, yeah. And then if you consider that post this game, uh, it would have been the September of 92 that um, Syria began being broadcast onto terrestrial TV in the UK. So after that, it just sort of snowballed into this this uh, love of Italian football. Um, I think that we were saying before we came on that the fact that Genoa didn't really pull up any trees after this one season in Europe um, was probably why I never really attached myself to to one side, but as I sort of would sit there every Sunday afternoon to watch the Italian game that came in, um, you know, I kind of followed players more than anything else, whether that was uh, Giuseppe Signore, uh, Gianluca Vialli, um, but yeah, it sort of just really bred that love of Syria. It's a strange time for these two teams to play each other because neither of them were as good as they had been the previous season. So previously, Genoa had finished fourth in Serie A, Liverpool had finished second in the old English first division. But then this season, Genoa finished 14th. And bearing in mind that if they finished 15th, they would have been relegated that season. And Liverpool went on to finish sixth. So both had kind of fallen off a little bit. But the fact that it's Genoa playing an English club is, is quite interesting for me because Genoa are as close to an English club as you will get in Italy. Obviously, they still go by the name Genoa Cricket and Football Club because they were established in the 1800s to kind of represent England abroad. The name Genoa in itself, they are actually referred to by the English name. The only time they were referred to in the Italian name of Genova was when Mussolini ruled over Italy and he wouldn't have it any other way. When they first set up, they were only allowed to have English people. There were no Italians allowed. And then their first professional coach, the first professional coach in Italy, was an Englishman called William Garbutt. And he was in charge of Genoa and led them to nine titles. And now, even nowadays, players still refer to their coaches in Italy as Mr. because of him basically so it's quite an interesting backstory the fact that it was Genoa of all teams uh yeah I think so I think it's been certainly after the after Genoa not Liverpool out as well that more has been made of the English connection with the um using you'll never walk alone if you like and that was sung through um quite regularly after um uh, beating Liverpool almost in homage to uh, their anthem and now, um, if you go to, if you're, if you're privileged enough to go to the Marassi, you will see a huge uh, "You'll Never Walk Alone" banner now uh, held up at the um, the curva. Mm. Or they still not. sing it as well. Curva. Uh, yeah, the Gradinata, I think it is, isn't it? When it's when it's yeah, yeah Gradinata Nord. So onto the game then. The first leg at the Marassi finished two 0 to Genoa. And what do you remember of this? Well, again, I think it starts with the the TV coverage. Um, unlike today, where you have, I don't know, sometimes an hour of pre-match, pre-match build-up, um, I remember something would finish. It would probably be a soap or something on TV that my mum would have been watching um, back in the days where there was probably only one TV screen in the house. So, you know, what what everybody was watching was all based in the same room. But the the, the TV coverage sort of cuts straight almost to the to the two teams coming out. And it was almost... Whether it was, you know, the old school TVs with the huge sort of um, backs to them, you know, you almost heard, and probably the, 
the, the volume that we had the TV playing at. But I remember the, the noise at the Morassi almost coming across through the TV because of the vibration of the television set. Um, and sort of you're instantly then sort of hooked on it with the uh, the uh, Tribune, I think was, uh, you know, there's this huge uh, We Are Genoa uh, banner going all the way across, you know, right up to the back of the... Uh, the stands and across the pitch as the players are walking out and it's quite it's quite odd uh the luigi ferraris that they have to walk across the pitch to get to the the pitches as well so it almost you know that so that again caught your eye because the players are having to walk straight out and you can see you can see the liverpool players as the the cameras uh going close to them that they're sort of looking around looking at the fans rather than what you see now a very stern faced uh opposition players you know this doesn't phase us the, the fans were on oh, sorry the players were almost you know standing in amazement at the the, the crowd uh, within the stadium i do think that's another thing like that we are genoa sign obviously was written as we say it in english as well which is almost a greeting to to the english people coming sending a message really really loud and clear but most of those players wouldn't have had experience of anything like this because atmospheres in Italy are quite different even now to, to in England. And I know Ian Rush had his season at Juventus before this game, so maybe he was a little bit more accustomed to things, but he didn't even start in this game. So Liverpool didn't have a lot of experience in this sort of situation. No, you probably, although they, a few of them would have played international football, um, you only had a couple of players. You So you had Steve Nicol, who was a, a uh, European Cup winner with Liverpool when they beat Roma in '84, um, but we we also you had this strange scenario where uh, UEFA changed the ruling on foreigners in 1991. Now, I don't know if this was to to hinder the British sides coming back after uh, Heisel, but um, Liverpool were in a conundrum where you had uh, Bruce Grobler didn't play, so Mike Cooper started in goal because he was Zimbabwean. Um, you had the issue where the Irish, uh, Scottish and the Welsh suddenly became foreign players in the, uh, I think it was a four, three, three on the pitch, one uh, probably in reserve, in reserve and if you wanted to use them, uh, foreigner rule coming on the pitch. But it was still a strong Liverpool side. And I know you said that they they hadn't done much recently before this game, but, you know, they were, they were uh, English champions um, 18 months before. Um, and they, you know, they won a lot while there was no European football for English sides. So they were, they were still a strong side. Yeah, I always wonder about that, though. I mean, winning something domestically and winning something on the continent is completely different because everything about playing in Europe, playing away from home in Europe, is different to playing anywhere in England, I find. And the Morassi is always quite good for an atmosphere. Even nowadays, it's... It's one of my favourite places to go. And if anyone is travelling to Italy to go to a game, I would wholeheartedly recommend taking a trip to Genoa. It's a good city. You'll eat well and you'll see a really, really beautiful stadium as well. But yeah, I, I take your point. Liverpool were a strong team, but they set up with kind of a 4-5-1 in this first leg. Whereas in the second leg, I know they had to attack, but it was a very, very much more attacking 4-4-2. And in the first leg in Genoa, was there like... A little bit of apprehension. Were they a little bit nervous traveling to take on this Italian side? Well, they looked it in the lineup, and they looked it in the first in the, uh, the first couple of minutes. I remember straight from kickoff, um, the ball broke down the left hand side, and Branco fired it across, and uh, Stefano Aranio, um scuffed it just wide. 
Um, then there was a sort of an interchange between Thomas Scavavi and uh, I think it was his strike partner, uh, Carlos uh, Aguilera, and, and then Hooper saved low of his feet. They were at sixes and sevens for the first sort of 10 minutes, Liverpool. Then they kind of came into it in the second half, but the, um, the atmosphere clearly got to them. Well, yeah, I think it did, didn't it? Because you speak about the noise that you hear at the Morassian. Obviously, the place erupted after 39 minutes when Valeriano Florian put them ahead. And then it stayed at 1-0 until the 88th minute and Branco got his goal. And that is a real kick in the teeth to, to go back to Anfield with a two-goal deficit to overturn. They didn't make it easy for themselves, Liverpool. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. No, absolutely. I think the, the second goal as well was probably one of the things that stuck in stuck in my head. Um, Branco sort of takes this run up that is almost as far away from the ball as the ball is from the goal, um, he must be approaching 30 yards out. And, you know, Roberto Carlos, are probably a player that you're just old enough to... I know Roberto Carlos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, would, you know, would take these these abnormally long run-ups, really. Um, famous, made famous probably from his uh, Le Tournoi goal in, in 97. But, uh, and then he just hit it. But he's so central as he strikes that ball, but it, he sort of hits it with the outside of his boot. It almost goes around the wall and has so much swerve on it that ends up in the, the top right hand corner if you're the if you're the goalkeeper looking at it. And after that, yeah, you've got you've got no away goal. And although Liverpool Liverpool had um worth remembering uh turned over a two goal deficit against Auxerre in the second round earlier in the competition, um we're gonna find it extremely difficult. Now whether that would have put fear in general minds that Liverpool had turned it over at home um and remember Liverpool had never been beaten at Anfield before in Europe, um, before Genoa went and turned them over there. Um, so they would have also felt confident they could do exactly what they did um, to the French side. 
Yeah, well, Liverpool were going back to Anfield knowing that they had scored in 15 of their previous home European games. But Genoa, after this first leg, had kept three consecutive clean sheets in the Europa League, which was a record. And Liverpool had stopped a streak of scoring in European games. So Genoa will have taken confidence from this, for sure. On to the second leg then. Liverpool did switch things up quite a lot. So John Barnes and Ian Rush came into the team. And Barnes, Jan Moby and Steve McManaman did really, really well to carve out chances. But Rush and Dean Saunders, who ended the competition as the, the top scorer with nine goals despite getting knocked out in the quarterfinals, they were quite wasteful. They kept missing chances. Um, yeah, I've, I've obviously, for this um, podcast, sort of went back and looked at the highlights. And I kind of remember it more that Simone Braglia had a wonderful first half in goal. He certainly kept a lot out. Like they sort of tested him a lot. There was a later in the second half, there was um, Ian Rush missed from probably five or six yards out of the cop end um, after, after he'd equalised. But I kind of always remember it as a sort of a great goalkeeping performance rather than a sort of, a, you know, defensive masterclass where you see sort of uh, 10 men behind the ball and sort of all backs to the wall. Yeah, I suppose there's probably a bit of truth in that as well. The, the game was, is it fair to say, when Carlos Aguilera scored after 27 minutes, that kind of killed the tie? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you wonder whether if Liverpool got a, a goal back before half-time, but I think the fact that they went in at the break um, and they'd had that gap from European competition. And Sometimes when you've um, sort of had great comebacks like they had against Auxerre, um, you kind of just accept that you maybe only get one of those a season. Um, you can ride your luck so far, um, but then maybe it's not going to happen again. I think that crucial away goal meant that you needed four and, and it was largely out of sight. Yeah, well, Ian Rush did get a goal within five minutes of the second half starting, but that was it then. Carlos Aguilera got his second on the night with 20-odd minutes left and that was how it ended. Genoa won 2-0 and 2-1. And it was a big, big night for them. As you say, they were kind of applauded off the pitch at Anfield. And the a lot of the fans at Anfield applauded seemingly the, the Genoa away support. And then, like you said, they took You'll Never Walk Alone, kind of like they're stealing it to mark the victory. But also, it's almost like it's a respectful gesture as well. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I mean a, lot of, a lot of teams are quite... Um impressed with how you know even now you know that was a that was a standing cop back in the day which was somewhat different to what it is now with the since the seating has been put in in 94 but um whenever an away side comes to Anfield you 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 always see the fans well now it's camera phones that are sort of standing yeah before camera phone zones it was almost uh, fans would stand there in respect of uh you'll never walk alone being sung out by the fans uh, at the other end of the uh the stadium and I think the fact that they now sing that at Genoa before home games, like they do in lots of other stadiums, like uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund, for instance, um, is a sign of respect more than anything else. As a Liverpool fan, how do you feel about that with, with other clubs? So, obviously, there's the discussion between Liverpool and Celtic about whose it was first and blah, blah, blah. But Dortmund and Genoa have obviously like adopted that. Is it a bit annoying? 
Um, no, I don't. I don't think it is actually. Well, I don't find. I don't find it is. Obviously, um, it was a it was a local band that kind of made Liverpool adopt it rather than. Um, so nowadays, I was having a discussion online actually with somebody about the uh, Liverpool are quite well known for um, a, taking tunes and sort of putting them to a, a, a player's name and you know making a, a, a sort of a witty uh, chant for them. And then some, you know, soon it gets out of hand that sort of several other clubs have got it. I don't think I don't think you ever you never walk alone works like that. I think it is is fully respectful. And when I've been to, so I went to the uh, Genoa derby back in 2012. And if anything, it makes me feel more connected with that game that I'm watching because it's sort of, it's something from home and you can see a, a group of fans singing it so passionately. I've been on the Yellow War uh, in Dortmund, probably the year before actually, when they were playing Leverkusen and the Dortmund fans were you know, doing a, a wonderful rendition. And it's, I, I find it uh, nice. So... You don't have an Italian team, obviously, right? But do you have any sort of warmth towards Genoa because of this game? Yeah, I, I probably, I probably do. I've probably looked out for them certainly for the next couple of years when I was uh, younger, <laughs> as you were <laughs> younger. Um, but you know, they they spent a decade, a decade out of uh, of Serie A. So almost two years after it started being broadcast in the UK, they were out of the league. Um, the contract for broadcasting probably ended before they even returned so yeah although I've I've got a little soft spot for them I was sort of they were taken away from me or they took themselves away from me by being relegated and not uh, not putting up much of a fight to come back really so if I was to lock you in a room and say that you're not allowed out until you tell me who your favorite Italian team are would you say Genoa yeah, I probably would because the others would be your classic um, glory hunting teams, I suppose. You know, the teams I remember them watching would be um, Milan of the early 90s, probably the couple of years where Juventus won the Champions uh, Champions League in 96. Um, yeah, and well, actually, I was never a big fan of Inter uh, under Mancini and Mourinho, but um, so I probably watched more than most. All right. Well, I just wanted to get that out of you, to be honest, because now we can have our own little Derby della Lanterna on the, the regular FIF pod once the season gets back up and running. We've got Genoa represented by Kev and Sampdoria obviously represented by Vito as well. Well, that's another point of this game. So uh, after knocking Liverpool out, um, Genoa played Ajax in the semi-finals and uh, lost 4-2, uh, I think. 4-3 on aggregate, yeah. But we were really, really close to having uh, the two sides from Genoa in both, I call them major European Cup, uh, European competitions. I know we had the Cup Winners' Cup back then, but I've never I've never really found where I sort of put them in order of priority with the UEFA Cup. But when, when Samp lost, obviously, to Barcelona in 1992, you could have had uh, Genoa lining up uh, in the opposing final. Yeah, it would have been quite strange that, wouldn't it? Uh, this Genoa team, though, if they had played as well as they had the previous season in Serie A, they might have gone on to do a little bit more. I know they got to the semi-final, but who knows? They might have been able to beat Ajax and then go on to win the, the competition themselves. Kev, have you anything else to add about this game? Um, no, no, I think that's it. It's been lovely to reminisce. Perfect. Well, thank you for joining me to talk about your favourite game, Kev. 
Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.